paging all associates, please come to the conference room for a little conversation. Hello and welcome to this little conversation too. For this little conversation, Carson and I are going to take a step back uh, as Carson interviewed Marcellus Braxton, the Assistant Dean of Students at Capital Law School, about an important holiday that is happening um, this week. Carson, would you like to say anything about the interview before we roll it? The only thing I want to say is that I opened the interview calling him Marcellus, which was so weird to me because I call him Dean Braxton all the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you have a first name? <laughs> it's like grade school when you find out that your teacher's name isn't actually like Mrs. Smith. It's like Judy Smith. And you're like, Judy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, with that, we will um, go ahead and have you all enjoy this interview with Marcellus Braxton. So tell us then, Marcellus, is it correct to call Juneteenth a holiday or is it more of a celebration? Yeah, so I think it's a really good question because I think it can be considered both. I think the reason why it's a little ambiguous is that it's not considered a national holiday quite yet. So Juneteenth is a state holiday and 46 out of 50 states and they all every state calls it a little something different so sometimes they won't call it a holiday they'll call it a celebration they'll call it something else so i think that's the reason why but i think it's worth the call it a holiday so i keep calling it a holiday okay and not to put you on the spot but do you know which four states don't celebrate it now you are putting me on the spot, but I think I can figure this out. Okay, so what's interesting is the state that I'm from, Pennsylvania, just recently, I think a year ago, decided to celebrate it. So I think the ones that don't are Hawaii, North Dakota, South Dakota, and there's one more. Um, it's Montana. Yeah, so I think all the others do. So. I think Pennsylvania just recently did it, and D.C. does it, so I think those were four who don't. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, and I haven't, being from Ohio, I haven't um, really known about it that long or um, even heard about it until recently. Um, but what's the, so could you tell me then what the historical significance of the date is? Absolutely. So when we learn about history in school, oftentimes we learn about the Emancipation Proclamation. And, you know, I don't know, we're usually in middle school. And it was Abraham Lincoln, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and that freed those who were enslaved. And he did that in uh, 1862, but it was made effective on January 1st, 1863. But what a lot of people don't know is that proclamation didn't really end slavery. So if you ever look back at it, the language was really limited and excluded a lot of states. And also, as we are kind of learning in modern history, executive orders rely upon enforcement. So someone can come up with a document and just, you know, say, okay, we have an executive order, but someone has to enforce it. And so Juneteenth is significant because for a long time, people didn't enforce this notion of slavery is over. So about two years later, uh, Major General Gordon Granger, um, he came to Texas, and I think it was June, well, definitely June 19th, 
Abrams' proclamation essentially saying that all slaves are free and they have absolute equality of rights and, and the rights of property between foreign masters and slaves and basically just saying that you are now free. And so what's important about Juneteenth and significant about it is that this was really what people view as black dependence. Now, I shouldn't say that uh, freed everyone based completely in slavery, but this is the representation of it. So that's why people often call it the Black Independence Day. So from now on, June 19th is the reason why we celebrate uh, the freedom of black people in particular in this country as opposed to the Emancipation Proclamation. So that's why it's just so important. And that's also why if you look up the history of Juneteenth, the first state to really celebrate Juneteenth, I think it was in 1980 and it was Texas. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting, and I didn't realize how significant it was, Um, but it sounds like, especially now, given the state of everything that's going on, um, just something really important to recognize and celebrate. Um, What does the day mean to you specifically? Yeah, so it means a lot for me significantly because growing up, I've never really had that many holidays that really resonated with me. Um, I just was like, oh, okay, it's another holiday. And I always remember feeling a little uneasy when we would get to the Independence Day or Fourth of July as we talk about it now because I would get to an age where I was old enough and so we'd always hear the story about talking about the 1700s, but then I would look back and say, well, what about black people in this country who were still enslaved? So that doesn't really make sense to say like, hey, you, we're going to celebrate Independence Day, but you weren't free. And when I was in middle school, I read that the speech by Frederick Douglass, and I think it's called The Meeting of July 4th for the Negro. And um, that, was, that really meant a lot to me. It kind of put into words what I wanted to really say about this kind of contradiction that we have in the United States about talking about the Declaration of Independence, talking about freedom, and talking about the American Revolution, and then talking about, like, oh, but there's still black people who are enslaved in this country. And then, you know, you just read about case by case, so you read about the Dred Scott decision, which comes up in law school a lot, and you talk about how it's such a bad decision, but I always remember reading it, and I always remember... uh, reading the holding and just talking about persons of African descent can't be and were never intended to be citizens under the Constitution. And that just, you know, hit my heart really strongly when I first read it, because it basically meant that these holidays, these celebrations weren't really meant for me. So the reason why Juneteenth means so much to me is because this is a holiday that is meant for me. It's meant for everyone, but especially meant for African Americans because it's meant to celebrate not only our freedom, but also just a celebration of all the things that would contribute to the to the US. Because when I was growing up in school we didn't read a lot of books by black people, we didn't read a lot of things about black people in this country. And so the fact that we have Juneteenth means so much is because I can go and sit back and reflect upon all the things African Americans have contributed to this country. And so that, that really stands out and that's why it's my favorite holiday. Yeah, I really I I like that and can understand why it would be so important to you. Would you say in your in your opinion, like as white people, uh, should I be celebrating and promoting the holiday or you know just 
letting it be um, a black person thing because it is so special to you. I think everyone should be celebrating it too. So I often equate when we think about things like Women's History Month or um, Pride Month, we should be celebrating these historical events. I am not part of the LGBTQ plus community and I'm not a woman, but I think what we can do is we can honor these months, we can honor these celebrations, we can elevate these voices that are often not heard. So I think everyone should be celebrating it and participating in it and going into the community and just do whatever they can. And I don't think it has to be some grand celebration, even though depending on what state you go to, there are so many great parties and festivals and whatnot. But I think even if you just take the time to learn a little bit more about history or think about a contemporary idea that impacts African-Americans today, and I think given what we're looking at at this time period, I think a lot of people are trying to do that. So I think Juneteenth is right around the corner. So just looking at some of the contemporary ideas, looking at things like the racial wealth gap, we're looking at like reform or healthcare disparities, you can look at those things, but then also look at some really positive things too. Look at the fact that African Americans have been present in this country from the beginning. African Americans have so many great contributions, so you can do both. You can look at the things we need to improve and also look at the things that African Americans have done. I think everyone can take an opportunity to do that, everyone can participate in all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything in particular or special planned to celebrate the upcoming holiday? Yeah, so unfortunately I do have to work that day, so we probably should make it a national holiday so that way I can have a day off to really reflect and really celebrate. But one of the things I'm really going to do is I'm a big believer in looking at the intersections of identity. So typically on um, Juneteenth, I pick a book or pick a documentary and I really just read it or go back and look at it. So this year I'm actually looking at, uh, I'm going to read Part of Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde just because she talked about these intersections of sexuality and gender and race and I think she's just a fantastic writer. So for me, Juneteenth, what I do every year is just take some time for myself, even if it's just an hour, to just read and reflect and honor the people who came before me. So a lot of the work I do is in diversity and inclusion, and a lot of that work was done by black queer women, so I think it's really important to honor them, and so that's what I'll most likely do. Um, if other days, other years, sometimes I go to a museum, or sometimes I go to, you know, support a black owned business, or just something small, but I always take a time to lose an hour of my day on duty to really celebrate it, really think about it. I definitely uh, support the idea of it becoming um, a national holiday and um, hopefully that would be something, I mean if 46 out of 50 states recognize it, uh, hopefully that's something that could be, that could happen in the not too distant future. Um, uh, Preston and I strive to challenge ourselves in everything we do and especially right now um, we're really trying to learn and get right um, how we as white people and not people of color can be allies in the best way to the black community and as we continue on our journey um, do you have 
any recommendations for us? Sure. So I think the best way to be an ally is to first thing, educate yourself. So read as much as you can. Make sure you have a really good understanding of what's happening. So, or, I mean, you can do that by reading, you can watch the podcast, you can watch documentary. I mean, that's always the first step of being an ally to kind of know what you're facing and know that your experience often differs from others and here's the reason why to be able to understand that. Second part, I think it's just kind of a level of reflection. So I don't necessarily think that people should feel bad about things, but I do think we should reflect upon things we do. So I think we should reflect upon why we live, why we live, why our school was different than other schools, why certain communities have other funding. And I think we should really think about that, so that reflection piece. And I think the next part of being an ally is finding those areas where you can support and also where you can speak out. When I say support, I mean actually support. So oftentimes when we think about allyship, you often think we have to do something really big. But the reality is that there's so many people in our community doing this work already, but the one thing they need is people who can help them. Or like if you have $10, if you have $20, give that to them. If you don't have money, give them your time, give them your energy. Or, you know, help them with the cause, whether it's voting or whether it's advocacy, et cetera. And so I think you can do all those things and that can help make you a better ally. But I think the number one thing you can do is challenge yourself and be okay with failing. So, so often people say, I'm scared to be an ally because I'm afraid to put myself out there because what if I do the wrong thing? And the reality is that if you are a good ally, you're going to mess up sometimes. However, a good ally knows how to apologize and really say, hey, I was wrong here. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And I'm going to keep moving forward and continue to support you. So I just challenge people to step out of their comfort zone in that way. If you do some of those things, I think you'll end up being a really, really good ally. Yeah, I, I love that. And I like how you sort of address that it, um, you do have to be courageous and let yourself be a little vulnerable and not be afraid to make mistakes. Um, so I, I want to thank you so much for being our very first guest on the podcast. And we have two questions that we're going to ask all of our guests. Um, so the first question is, what's the best piece of advice you received from a mentor um, that you feel comfortable with sharing? The best piece of advice. Um, it sounds very basic, but the best advice I received is to chase your dreams and don't let practicality get in the way. So the, when I was growing up, one of the things that was taught to me is that you're going to do something pretty standard. You go to school, you get your education, you, do, you become a doctor, you become a lawyer, you do something very traditional. However, I found that for me, I went to law school and I didn't really want to be a lawyer. I wanted to step out and help people and be around students and being in things like student affairs isn't a practical thing to do. But I also realized like, when I talked to a mentor, they said, well, you're going to spend the rest of your life doing something, so you might as well do something that's fun. So 
I, I think the best advice is don't let practicality get in the way of your passion. If you're passionate about something, go ahead and do it. If you end up messing up, you can always go back. We have a long life to live. Well, my hope is that we all have a long life to live. So don't spend your entire life doing something just because other people want you to do it or just because it's practical or just because it makes sense. Go out and find something that you love and make it the job that you do. Thank you for sharing that. As someone who's still sort of um, on my career journey, being still in school, um, that's definitely something that resonates with me as I'm looking at what my paths and options are. Um, okay, so our next, our, our second question is, um, do you believe in ghosts? Sorry, what do I believe in? Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, you know, I, ooh, you stop, you stop me now. Because <laughs> it's one of those things, if I say, if I say yes, and I'm going to have to, like, really think about it, if I say no, then that's like I'm going to be constant night. So, um, I believe in, I'm going to go with no. And I know I'm putting myself on the spot there, but I don't think I believe in ghosts. Okay. All right. I support that. Now you're going to be thinking about it nonstop. I'm like, do I believe in ghosts? But I don't think so. I mean, people tell me they've seen ghosts, and people tell me, like, you know, you've been to a haunted house, or you go to, like, the cemetery, and so they see the ghosts, but I don't think I have. Right, right. Usually the people that believe in ghosts have had some sort of um, encounter or experience that they, well, genuinely believe in some sense was a ghost. Um, so I'm guessing you haven't had that encounter or experience. Not yet, but after being on your podcast, I feel like I am now going to experience a ghost, and I just hope that they are not <laughs> being to me and they're doing something you know, bad to me. So if I, if, if I encounter a ghost, I'm still going to blame you now. A disclaimer, we are not liable for any spirits that we have summoned during this podcast. Um, so... Thank you so much for talking with me. Is there anything else you want to say to our listeners about um, Juneteenth or yourself or just a plug for anything that you might have going on? I think uh, I want to give a plug to just local organizations. I won't actually tell any local organizations, but in the time now where people are demonstrating and really putting themselves out there and themselves on the line, that if you feel compelled to, please donate to a local organization. And also, please, please, please vote if you possibly can. And I don't mean talking about the presidential election. I mean the local elections, too, because people often say, why do we have this money here? And why is this money allocated here? It's because of the people who serve our community. So the best thing we can do is take care of each other. And I know we can take care of each other by putting good, responsible people in positions of power in our community. So donate if you can, vote if you can, but just support everybody. Absolutely. That's a great thing to leave us with.